Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Crump, and you are not. And today, today, today is Friday. It's at some point in May, and I believe it's the year 2022. I am in a different location today. Where I am is in the Father Bush. I always call it Father Matt Call. Because I was at a parish that had a Father Mac call that looked just like this. There was apparently one plan for all church construction in the 60s and 70s, and none of them looked good. But be this as it may, we are in the Father John Bush Hall here at Holy Family. And we are preparing. When I say we, I mean I'm watching good people work. Uh, Anne and her wonderful mother are setting up this whole area for our big auction for the school tomorrow. And we would love for you to participate either by showing up tomorrow at 6, six or if you want to participate online, uh, you can do that with the link that we'll provide you. Yep. Right Now, please remember that also a big part of this auction is what we call Fund the Need. And if you go to the link we provide you and you click Menu, and then click Fund the Need, you'll see that you can donate uh, as an MSU fan or a U of M fan, and whichever one raises the most money, that flag flies over our school uh, for a week. So if you have any concern at all for our children's souls, then please donate to the MSU portion. Um, I do want to point out my lovely research assistant, Chuck, is here, and my lovely research assistant, Uncle Lonnie, is in the other room eating pizza and might be heading over here if he decides to punish himself. With John, your other... John is here too. Carrie's beloved John is home from the war. And uh, I always think it's... I, like today, today is just chewy goodness, right? Because I get to do this show with you people. Uh, the Tigers are on tonight. And Tariq Scoople somehow hasn't got hurt yet. Uh, John's home. Uncle Lonnie's home. Everything's good. So we have a lot of questions already lined up. This doesn't mean don't hand, su submit questions. It just means I got to get busy. I got to get started right away. So with that, I will begin the questions and answers. And if you have any questions, just let us know. All right. So first question. Uh, Father Joe, I was wondering if you know a Catholic prayer for forgiveness. Uh, I, and now, I, I think I understand, right? If you mean to help you forgive someone, uh, then yes. And I'm not being a smart mouth. Ready? It's Jesus, I forgive so and so. Right? Uh, and you, you know, I know that sounds funny, but what I like about that it is this, it is a hyper focused prayer. Uh, there's nowhere to hide. Right? Jesus, I forgive so and so. And a lot of times what you and I need is to pray that a lot because the moment we say it, we've forgiven them. And the rest of this is just training our emotions and feelings, right? Taking what we feel to the classroom of our mind and saying, no, I forgive so-and-so. Um, and I'm not being funny, right, by giving you just that one-line prayer. Uh, and if that doesn't appeal to you, like if you'd like something a little more detailed, then I'd encourage you literally just Google, right, Cause, or uh, Catholic prayer for forgiveness, uh, anything like that. Uh, <clears throat> but for me, I really uh, went through a phase, a two-year phase, where I had to forgive people who hurt me the deepest way possible and succeeded in it, 
right? They they wanted to get rid of me and did. And they did it by lying about me, lying to me, slandering me, the whole thing. And I'm serious. I probably said that 50 times a day. Jesus, I forgive so-and-so. And, um, yeah, okay. Uh, next question. I was asked to be a godparent to my nephew. Can you provide any insight on what the responsibility of this role includes in the church's eyes? Do you have any resources that could help us in preparation or continuation of fulfilling this role? Oh, man, I love this question. I do. And uh, the reason I love it is because we've unintentionally reduced godparent to a cultural thing, right? Uh, Well, who do I like? Well, I like a lot of people who I wouldn't want to be godparents, right? Uh, I'm a terrible godparent, seriously. Uh, Here's here's what the godparent does. Uh, During the baptism, the priest will ask the parents a series of questions, right? Uh, You have come here to present Chuck for baptism. In doing so, this is in the baptism ritual, ready? Quote, in doing so, you are accepting the responsibility to train this child in the practice of the faith. It will be your duty to teach them to love God as Jesus has taught us. Do you clearly understand this? And then the parents say, we're going to pretend we do. And then the priest turns to the godparents and say, godparents, are you willing to assist these parents in their role? And then when the godparents say yes, we start the ritual. Okay, And that's really important. So godparent, what are you? You are the one backing up mom and dad in the practice of the faith. Uh, and so what does that mean? That means you show through your words and through your example that the faith is important to you and that submission to the faith is your defining trait. Um, it's okay if you miss ball games. It's not okay if you miss church. It's okay if you miss uh, performances. It's not okay if you miss uh, sacraments. Right? That as a godparent, you're trying to help this, the parents help the child get to heaven. Okay? Uh, so those are the responsibilities. And, and for me, just kind of, not kind of, think about it, right? Pray about it. Uh, you may remember Kevin Nugent, uh, who was our business manager here. And I was so touched. He, uh, as I found out, writes letters to his godchildren with his thoughts and reflections on the faith. I'm like, bro, that's pretty cool. And if he saw one of his godchildren making what he felt was a, a sin or a bad mistake, he would tell them, right, through a, a loving and, and helpful letter. Uh, I read a couple of them, and I'm like, dang, bro, that's a good godparent. Um, and, of course, cash is a part of it, too. You should probably be giving cash on birthdays, right? I, I agree. Yeah. And when I say cash, I mean cash. Come on, inflation's through the roof, so it doesn't matter. They need wallpaper. That's an awesome idea, though. I never thought about it. Oh, I, I think so, too. I love Nugent. Isn't that classic Nugent, though? Give him a roll, and he's going to go all in. Right. As best he knows how. And uh, God bless him. Okay, side question. Hit me. How many times have you been a godparent? Nine million. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't, and I'm terrible at it. I'm the worst at it. I'm good in this regard, and I do mean this. I pray for all my godkids every day. 
I do. And if a parent ever calls me and says, you know, you're God's son, blah, 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 I'm there. But if you ask me to think outside of daily prayer or crisis, I'm the worst. You know, when's their birthday? I don't know. How old are they? I can't. I don't know. They're this tall. I can do that. Uh, but, and I tell people this, like Andy Dion, whom I just adore, one of my favorite former students, he asked me to be godfather to one of his boys. And I told him, you know, I'm going to be the worst, right? And he said, oh, yeah. I mean, I know you, father. But I also know if I call, you'll come. And I will. My foot itches. I'm itching my foot. Updates as events warrant. <laughs> So uh, in terms of resources, you know, I, I don't know. I'll be honest. I, I really don't have a sense of that. I, I think um, there's got to be good stuff out there, but there's probably a lot of crappy stuff too, to be honest. Um, so uh, pray, um, stay faithful to your role, and think about just every once in a while. Doesn't have to, you don't have to uh, write the catechism, but... Try to constantly, at an age-appropriate way, remind your godchildren of why the faith matters to you. St. Peter said, right, be always ready to give a reason for your hope. Don't you love that? Yes. Uh, You hear me, Uncle Lonnie? I just quoted St. Peter, right? Be always ready to give a reason for your hope. Oh, man. Okay. How are we doing? Are people happy? Yeah. Okay. Any suggestions? If you just can't connect with your parish priest, Carrie wrote this one. <laughs> My priest brings up his personal beliefs like anti-COVID in his sermons. Oh, good Lord. I'm so sorry. I. It's so crazy we're talking about this because just yesterday, one of my students sent me a letter, or what do you call those things, uh, email. And it was about how uh, her priest got up and did a whole homily about how um, Ukraine is corrupt and awful, and we're trying to make it about good versus bad, but both are bad. And it's just like, I don't know how Jesus came up in this homily. I, I don't. Um, but this is a plague in the church right now. Um, I mean, I'm serious. And here's the key to me, and I'm just being candid here. I just told someone this yesterday. Um, until we introduce accountability into the church, this is just going to keep happening, right? There is no accountability for lazy priests, for crazy priests, uh, for power-hungry priests, for politic priests. There's just no, there's no, what do you call it, Uncle Ani? There's no uh, accountability. There's no, and, and part of it, like, and I've heard this from leaders in the church. Well, the problem is if we discipline these guys, they'll, they'll do a, a, an Altman, right? Like a Father Altman who blatantly disobeyed his bishop, who said awful things from the ambo and who made it about politics and was a very effective teacher of the right-wing movement, but I don't know what else. So what did the church do? Punished him. And what did the Catholics do? Gave him half a million dollars. Right? Poor father. He's being kicked out for speaking the truth. Nope. Um, he was kicked out for a lot of things. Uh, and uh, not kicked out. They just revoked his faculties to preach. And he's doing great. You know, we, uh, So I get it. Take that bullet. It's not like anyone's in love with the Catholic Church right now. It's not like our reputation is so good we can't afford to take a hit. Uh, to me, um, 
I don't know what you can do except find another church, and I hate telling you that. But Catholics can vote with two things, their butts and their checkbooks. That's it. And it stinks, and I'm sorry, but that's how it is. I would encourage you to write as bishop. It won't do anything. But you'll know you did the right thing. Um, and I mean that. Um, this is how it is right now. And I, uh, I think every year I get stronger and stronger about this. I used to get scared and, and worried about speaking this way. I just don't care anymore in the best way possible. If our leaders won't stop this cancer in the church, I'll do my best to name it. And, um, you know, the cancer in the church right now is we have priests who know how, who are formed enough to use Jesus' words while trying to make more people good politic, good politicians. I don't know how else to say it. They keep pretending politics are the only answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Not a Republican, not a Democrat. Um, and these guys up there spouting, and when I was a kid, it was left-wing nonsense, that priest did. How many of those homilies were you subjected to? I heard more homilies on how awful Reagan is, was than how good Jesus was when I was a kid. Right? Uh, priests do this, and it's pathetic, and it's despicable, and I'm so sorry. And I hate that a priest like that might drive you from the church. Maybe you've prayed him for years, but you've got two means to vote, man, your butt and your checkbook. And uh, I encourage you to vote with both. I do. Was that too harsh? Okay. Um, okay. This has troubled me for years. Wow, I don't remember. Is this new? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I had it in order, but Carrie just jumped the line. <laughs> okay. This has troubled me for years. It's Carrie's attitude, right? I can already guess what this question's about. Uh, my understanding of this situation is that the church can refuse to baptize a baby if there is not a hope that the child will be raised in the church. Is the church then denying this child the gift of salvation? Perhaps this grace of baptism would be a source of grace in later years for the salvation of this person's soul. I find this very troubling. Can you explain it to me? Well, again, gosh darn, I'm going to kind of go off on my tribe. And to be clear, I need these too. I need to be challenged. I need to be shook. I'm not saying I have it together and these priests are awful. I'm saying we're all awful sinners. Uh, we need accountability. The problem is in the structure right now, again, I have to make my own accountability. And you know what's a great temptation, right? Is that I find a bunch of priests who will just go, yeah, Joe, good job, no matter what. Well, no, I'm blessed. And, and I got Uncle Lonnie, I got my dad, I got beautiful people in my life, but I got six priests I pray with that will rip my throat out if I refuse to baptize a kid or if I started talking about how great Putin is or how wonderful Trump is or how great Biden is, right? Those guys would kill me, and I'm so grateful because some days that's all that stops me, you know? Anyway, with that, yes, there is a principle that if a priest believes the family will make no attempt to raise the child in the faith, then there are priests who will say, well, then I won't baptize the child. I doom him by doing so. I'm making him promise something he's incapable of keeping. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I think a priest withholding the sacraments is a serious, serious, serious thing that we'll stand in front of God for. 
um, because of what you're saying. Uh, I believe that baptism works. And God would very, very much like mom and dad to help the baby. But if not, he's got ways. Yeah, God's not limited. He's not going to, well, we're out of, you know, this is a covenant. And again, uh, Father Spitzley, who's a beautiful holy priest, said some baptisms, I, I love and hate this image, right, because it makes me cry. He says some baptisms, I feel like we're throwing pumpkin seeds in wet cement, right? It's never going to grow. It's not a good environment for it to grow. But that's human reasoning, you know. He, he walked me through. I love Father Spitzley. But we, we just, you know, whenever we celebrate sacraments here, like First Communion or Confirmation, I know I'll never see, I've never seen 80% of these people before. I'll never see 80% of them again. I'm making up that number. But I still do it because I believe in God. And I believe in the power of what I'm doing and that it's not dependent on human effort. So, yeah, there are priests who will say no. Um, but uh, I don't think that's healthy or good. And I think if it happens, it should be shockingly rare. Yeah, mom and dad are practicing Satanists. Okay, maybe we shouldn't baptize the kid, right? <laughs> but I've only had that happen five, six times this month, so. Did you find that funny? I did. Yeah, all of them were Carrie. <laughs> I'm like, Carrie, that's not even your kid. Stop bringing it in for baptism. Okay. Uh, Uncle Lonnie, what'd you think of that? Yeah? Okay. All right, so I like the first part of this question. Do you see the first line? I apologize for this stupid long question. You sound like me. Stop it. It's probably a great. Well, I know this one. This is a great question. All right. It is long. All right. So two of my sisters-in-law and I are reading and discussing a book about Jesus. Last week, we were discussing Jesus driving out the money changers. And in a total squirrel moment, we began to wonder why Jesus and the disciples never sacrificed at the temple. I think it's because Jesus came to abolish the purity codes or because he was without sin or because by the time the Gospels were written, the message was being sent to the Gentiles and sacrificing may have been anathema. What are your thoughts? Well, um, this is not a stupid question. It made me go, uh, so the reason you don't read about Jesus or the disciples doing sacrifices at the temple is because they wouldn't have wrote that. It would be assumed. Right, that um, like for a Jew, okay, how's this? You take a Roman Catholic today, and we had to make up a phrase. Ready, practicing Catholic. It used to just be Catholic. Catholics went to church, uh, whether it was a good priest or bad priest, whether they felt good or felt bad, whether whether it was nice or whether it was awful, and the whole society worked together to make sure Sunday was a day of rest. Now we schedule sports every Sunday. We schedule events every Sunday, and Catholics picked those things over church. And so now we had to make up this phrase, practicing Catholic. And we separate in our heads. Well, it's a practicing Catholic. That's a non-practicing Catholic, right? Jews didn't do this in the time of Jesus. You were a Jew, or you weren't. And if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. That's it. So they wouldn't have needed to say that the disciples engaged in the, in the religious rituals of the day. They would just need to say they were at temple. And think about how many times you read that. They were at temple. Right? Um, Jesus even put it this way. Um, whoever changes the smallest part of the law or the smallest part of the smallest letter of the law condemns themselves. Right? Uh, 
Jesus was big on obedience. It's just what we talked about yesterday, right? The whole idea of living the law of love. Yeah, I don't want to get into all that again because then I won't stop. But so this is not a dumb question. And I would assume the disciples practiced the religious rituals of the day. Again, I don't know if Jesus would have offered sacrifice. It's not like he sinned. Uh, But this wasn't like personal confession uh, either. The rituals were about invoking God's mercy over all of us. So um, I hope that helps. Like here, Actually, I wrote a note here. It's not explicitly described because it wouldn't have it would have been assumed by the Jews and not helpful info to the Gentiles. Right? Gentiles would be like, why are you going to all this detail about a ritual we don't do anymore? Okay. Uh, so that's a great question. Whoever was worried about that. Um, okay. Are there any chance is there any chance Father Joe might lead a tour to Israel? Uh or might Father Joe suggest a colleague or tour of the Holy Land that incorporates the historical context like he does in his podcast things? Uh, I hope this doesn't sound awful. No, there's no chance of me doing this. I'm terrible at it. Uh, it's too much people all the time. Isn't that terrible? Uh, I don't like humans. And they're everywhere. Uh, maybe when I retire, but for now, I, I don't know. This is this is just my personal conviction okay that's it this is a personal i don't believe it should be applied to every priest i don't think it's healthy for me to leave a huge portion of my tribe to serve a small portion for a couple weeks i just if i'm gone two weeks it's because i'm sleeping right it's not because i'm going to work more uh that's my personal conviction so when i retire yeah i might do something like that i don't know i doubt it so when you were there did you see the uh trips that incorporated the historical context Mm-mm. i mean i did a couple for a company right there was a company that gave me like 300 bucks to spend a day with people walking around and pointing to the secular things and i never told them i was a priest right because oh my and did i tell you about this why the last day the the last one I did, and guys, I think I think I'm generally patient with people. I don't know. What do you? Th- yeah, but it turns out like that's because I can hide every once in a while, right? That as much as I act like an extrovert, people exhaust me. I I need to have like an hour minimum of quiet at some point in the day. Once it starts, you can't get those on those. There's con- and people are constantly asking questions, which. Again, great. It's just I'm not good at it. All of a sudden, I start to feel like I have to answer every question and I get whatever. But the other thing that happens is when humans, and me too, when we start asking questions, we generally have a hard time stopping. Okay, So we get into a mode, right? So you start off the day, well, here, look at this. This is a temple built and blah, blah, blah. Well, who built it? Oh, the Jews. Uh, well, which one? Oh, it was Herod Agrippa. You know, you, you start going through, and then they're asking questions, and, you're asking them, and then they'll get into this mode of, I'm asking questions. And this is an honest-to-God true story. We stopped for lunch, and we were at this restaurant in Nazareth, and everybody was looking at the menu, which is in English. right? It's in English. And my hand to heaven. Someone said, well, Father, look at this fish and cheese sandwich. What's on that? (laughs) And that's when I snapped. Isn't that terrible? So, A, 
Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> like when I retire, the short answer is no. <laughs> right. Whenever I ask the Alaska, Florida question, yeah, the only attraction about Florida to me is baseball. Everything else would be Alaska as far from people as possible. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like just have this little cabin. Oh, okay. I'm gonna cough. <clears throat> Okay, this one's, uh, what is the church teaching on being a surrogate? Uh, okay, so to be clear, whenever we get into questions like these, I always want to make sure you know beforehand, you are judged by God based on what you know, right? So remember when we talked about cremation, how we don't scatter ashes, and people are like, oh no, I did that. You didn't know, right? And uh, so... I save all of that for this, that I'm going to teach you as best I can, the church's uh, teaching on being a surrogate, and remind you that if you didn't know this and you did it, God understands. That's a different thing than knowing something's wrong and choosing to do it anyway. Okay? I just I need that super clear. So the church's teaching, and if I read this right, on like, you being a surrogate, you saying you can use my womb to, is the phrase grow your baby? I don't, I, I don't know the proper terms. Is that acceptable or did that sound bad? Huh? I think that's fine. Okay. Oh, and I shouldn't say, huh? I can just, every time I hear me do that, I picture mom in heaven going, I will kill you. She hated that. If I said to mom, huh? She'd say, I'm a lady. I'd say, pardon? She had weapons. <laughs> Ladylike weapons. Ladylike weapons. Did mom ever wear heels? I don't know. Anyway, because I was just thinking, she could have took one off and beat me with it. But All right. So the church says we should not, uh, uh, a person should not volunteer for surrogacy. Okay. Why? Lots and lots of reasons. Um, and I never really know which ones are most helpful for you to know. But I think the baseline thing you want to remember, whenever it comes to reproductive things like this, what does the church say? That the gift of sex is for the covenant of marriage. And it is always ordered to the possibility of life. Okay? And you might think, well, what about people who are infertile? I get you. But forgive, again, I, I don't know how to say this where I don't sound insensitive. Those are not the norms. The norm is that the female and male body work to create life together. Okay? And that every child has, and the church says this, a right to a natural family. Okay? Every child has a right to the natural means of being conceived and born as much as possible. The church would say the answer to surrogacy is adoption. And if we could ever get the pro-lifers and pro-choicers to talk, I think we could all agree that we could solve a million problems by making adoption easier. Yeah? Um, uh, and when I say easier, I mean the cutting of all of the red tape. Right? So I don't know if they ever... If this was ever challenged to court, I do know there was a point in the 80s or 90s where all of a sudden they said white people can't adopt black babies, right? Am I, and 
and I don't remember whatever happened with that. I just remember it made my mom really sad. She was like, who cares what color someone is? If there's a mom and dad who will love and raise them, then that's what we should be doing. Uh, but the problem is the crazies always get to define the argument, right? The extremists always get to define the argument. I I would just love to see us as a culture begin to fight more for the concept of adoption. Um, and I think that would help a lot. Now, there is a type of surrogacy, and I don't know all of the exact words, but I became familiar with this in the last year or so. So there is an, an IVF, in vitro fertilization, which also the church says, please don't do that. Why? For a few reasons, but for the purposes of the point I'm about to make, the primary issue is you get a ton of fertilized eggs. And then the doctor simply starts picking them off one at a time based on which ones they hope, believe will be most healthy. Okay, um, And the church considers that not good. Uh, they then will take any fertilized egg that the mom doesn't want or can't carry. I mean, Again, forgive all my bad words. And they put them in a refrigeration unit. Right. So that if later she decides, no, I want another child. Well, she has a fertilized egg standing by. Does everyone understand this? This is then the next reason we we say no to IVF. Well, you may remember not five years ago, a company was caught dumping into the sewer thousands of fertilized eggs because the moms and dads didn't pay their bill. Right. Just literally dumping thousands and thousands of fertilized eggs into the sewer on the street. Right. They literally got caught doing this. Um, human life deserves better. Well, some people are then saying, well, we are infertile. We will adopt that embryo, place it in me and I'll carry that baby and birth it and raise it. That's a different thing morally, right? Um, I be, uh, that's, that's moral heroism. Um, well, somebody else's fertilized egg, well, we're going to throw it out. No, I'll, I'll take this child and, and, and carry it and raise it. That's beautiful, right? That's different than the first thing I talked about, which is just I could use extra money, they could use a child, you can use my womb. Uh, is this helpful? Is this making sense? Okay. And if I've spoken in any way that hurts anyone's feelings, it's just because I don't know the proper terms. Please forgive me. Um, infertility is a very painful reality for so many folks. Um, and the church would encourage us to really work toward adoption. Right? Um, okay. I'm moving through these questions. I am. Uh, so, folks, don't hesitate to submit more. I've only got a couple more on deck. Oh, no. There's... Plenty. Is there a bunch? Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to look at ancestral curses. Okay? Uh, and I've had this come up a couple times in the last year. Uh, what do you think about ancestral curses? I have been told that the spirit of Jezebel is in some of my family members. I don't want to name them. 
Thank you. I prayed in adoration for release from this curse. I still pray it for it to stay away from, to come Holy Spirit. I still pray for it to stay away when I am around these family members. And I also pray for my family. I know that I am free, but I still pray. Any suggestions? This is hard to articulate. No, I get you. I get you. Um, and uh, Monsignor Pope wrote a pretty good article on this. Uh and I don't remember the name of it, but Monsignor Pope, and I think his first name is Charles. He's written some groovy stuff. He's written stuff I don't like, but 99% of it, I'm like, brah, this guy's sharp. Have you ever read him, Uncle Annie? Monsignor Pope? Yeah. So here's the thing. He points out generational curses are not taught by the church. Okay, uh, and they aren't denied by the church. The Bible gives us some conflicting things that um, uh, he uses this example. Jeremiah says, quote, in those days, they will no longer say the parents ate unripe grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die because of their own iniquity. Okay? Um, and Jesus also, if you look in John, Remember when he was walking by a blind man, and what was he asked? Is this guy blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And what does Jesus say? Neither him nor his parents sinned. Right? Uh, um, so, generational curses is an idea that at some point in the past, a member, uh, an antecedent of yours, or pre press predecessor, thanks Uncle Ani, of yours was cursed in a demonic fashion and that that curse carried generations down. Um, and here's the thing, guys. Be careful with this, okay? Um, that while we believe it's real, we also believe it's very rare. But we also believe that you can get unintentionally fixated on this. Evil loves attention. Think of a brilliant three-year-old, right? And, and brilliant's the wrong word. But just, it needs, evil needs to be talked about, thought about, uh, fretted about. It, it That's its bread and butter. And so I have met people who get obsessed with this idea. Okay? I'm just being blunt. Um, and overly fret. What I hear you saying seems to me the healthiest response, right? I pray about it. I pray about it, and I keep my nose clean. Um, did you send me something, Uncle Annie? No, okay. Uh, that's really important, okay? When it comes to combating evil, we don't combat evil in a sense. We let God do that. Um, you will lose. I will lose. God will not lose. God doesn't know how to lose. Uh, so what do we do when we start fretting about generational curses? Well, Lord Jesus, deliver my family, right? Pray that as often as you need, but again, try to be careful of obsessing, okay? Um, this is another quote from uh, Monsignor Pope. The exorcists and others in deliverance ministry tend to avoid theological debates and basically accept that to some degree, generational curses are experienced and reported um uh, but and then again this is what he says there are there are a great many dangers in placing too many too much focus on curses okay and one of them he says it's an easy way to slough off personal responsibility right well, it's not my fault my family was cursed 
right? Uh, second is that we can end up with a superstitious fear of the power of curses that trumps our belief in the power of Jesus Christ. A curse has no chance at the feet of Jesus Christ. Just second, okay? Oh, excellent. Uncle Ani was pointing out, holy cow, I can't believe I forgot this. Uh, if you worry, if you worry, you know, does my family got something going on? A, uh, for $6, Lonnie can help. No? Seven? Oh, inflation. For $10, Lonnie, no, I'm kidding. Uh, he pointed out Unbound, which is a wonderful program that you may remember I experienced and shared greatly about, uh, was for me a great experience. Right. Uh, so I encourage you, if you're worried, you know, I think this might be a thing. We'll try to find an unbound session near you. You can easily do this on the Internet. And these folks are trained. These aren't just a bunch of people who read a book. OK, uh, they are trained and prepared to uh, help you. And it is not a scary thing at all. Uh, it's, it's this isn't nobody's screaming. Nobody's, you know, I, I was surprised to learn that there were people worried that it was a form of a exorcism like they saw on TV. No, not at all. Uh, my experience of it was I felt like I was in a womb. It was so peaceful and warm and I felt loved and precious. And at no point did I feel afraid. And I can be a fearful person. So, groovy stuff. Good call. Check out Unbound. Uh, or just mail Lonnie 10 bucks. Cash? No, checks. No, credit card? If it's credit card, make it twelve ninety five to help them cover the cost of using the card. I'm so sorry. I'm going to get you in trouble. I'm going to get you in trouble, Uncle Lonnie. He has this stick that he gave to Dad. And it's a big, tall stick with a monkey head on top. And he strikes me with that. So do you know this about Lonnie? So he gave it to Dad. And the other day, I was just ripping on Dad. And he said, and we were in my truck, so the stick was nowhere nearby. He said, I guess I just got to call Uncle Lonnie. And I shut up. I did. Okay. Right. We're going to, while you're looking at the next one, I'm going to show a picture of some of the items behind you. Oh, groovy. Okay. Am I, what am I doing? You're, you're good right there. Okay. So what Carrie's showing you all right now are some of the items we have up for auction. Now, uh, we're doing this auction to help us fund our school. Uh, every year, we have a pretty big gap between uh, what it costs to educate a student and what we charge for tuition. And, and that gap is pretty painful in the budget. It's a happy pain. We are so happy for that. But we can't keep jacking tuition up and making it so the average Catholic can't go to the school. And we never wanted to fall into the, the disaster of becoming a private school instead of a Catholic school. Right? So to that end, every year we do this fundraiser where uh, the money helps us keep the cost of tuition as low as we possibly can. Now, uh, I think I've talked about this. One thing I don't think we would want to go to is quote-unquote free tuition because nothing's free, right? Uh, we were just talking about this. I don't know. If I shouldn't go there, shut me up. But apparently some of our Catholic parents were upset because they were playing a public school and the public school kids were chanting, Jesus loves us for free or something like this. And A, that's hilarious, right? I said to the one of the Catholic parents, I said, you got to admit, that's funny. Uh, they did not find it funny. But think about it. Think about it. They actually think their education's free. It's like, 
oh no, your education cost the taxpayers, in Grand Blank at least, about $16,000 per kid. It ain't free. You just don't pay it, right? Now, again, I don't say that to put those kids down, but think about how ingrained it is to them that, oh, this is free. No, 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 no. It's free to you. But somebody else is paying it. A lot of people are paying it, and they're paying a lot. And that's part of the danger of any free thing, is we lose respect for what we're receiving. Now, our goal is not free tuition, but our goal is certainly as close to it as is reasonable. And you can help and get stuff you need or want. Uh, I hope you see there's a lot of really cool items. Can I tell them about mine, or is that self-serve? Yeah, no, no. Okay. So uh, over here is uh, the Back to the Bricks, uh, which if you're not a Flint person, you might not know about this. But um, in downtown Flint, the road is brick. So people attend Brick Street, right? Or they refer to the downtown area as the bricks. Uh, so every year there's a Back to the Bricks festival. Is that the right word? I don't know. What would you say? Yeah, okay. And uh, and I got to tell you, I love it. Like it's probably my second favorite Grand Blank thing behind the food truck festival, right? Which is awesome. Whoever came up with that in Grand Blank should get a medal. But a whole bunch of guys and gals with classic or unique cars meet in downtown Flint, and then slowly drive down Saginaw Road right in front of our parish. And you will see, like, Dad, remember last year we saw a Dodge Rambler, or a, a Nash Rambler. Uh, I mean, we see, so to me, peak years, right, for GM was 68 to 70. Uh, that, that, to me, 66 to 70 is when GM perfected the muscle cars. And you'll see a million of those. I don't know how many 68, do you remember how many 68 Camaros we saw? And, uh, oh, so anyway, I'm going off. The person who wins that will set up a tent for you in the parking lot, and I'll whip you up some hot dogs and hamburgers. We'll make sure you got some ice cold pop or beer, whatever you like. And uh, you'll be able to just enjoy uh, a great place to sit with a great view and uh, hopefully serviceable food. So that's one of the auction items. Another one is golfing with Father Lay. And if you don't know, Father Lay's a beast at golf. I know nothing of golf except that I hate it with every cell in my body. And I also know that a lot of people have told me he's a riot to play with. I do know this. Father Lay is one of the best people I have ever lived with. Except for my dad. <laughs> Uh, truly the best priest I've ever lived with uh, by far, and I love him. What a servant heart. What a joyful heart. Uh, and uh, the, the man loves golf. Yeah, the man loves golf, and he's probably a dirty cheater. <laughs> Can you cheat in golf? How would you cheat? Huh? Miscount your strokes. Oh, yeah, but if you got a buddy there, you can't cheat. Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, pardon? Yeah, there's people that are very good at that. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, and you got some backsheesh involved. Yeah, you cannot gamble on this with Father Lay because, again, dirty cheater. <laughs> uh, but all kinds of neat stuff. And some of it our kids made. And I just, I love this. Please, please, please 
Jump online and register for the auction. You don't even have to bid. Just come watch it with us. But Jesus wants you to bid. Uh, or maybe you want to come here. Ann, aren't we going to have amazing food and all kinds of craziness? Yep. And I don't know if you know Ann. Ann really has a nice uh, kind of sense of what's fun and what's joyful. And she set this thing up so we can have a, a great time together. I enjoy this. I'll be honest. I don't like fundraisers. I just don't. The idea of herding people into a room for the sole purpose of taking their money. I like them here. It's fun. So please, either stop by or sign up. Or if you want, just mail a check. Just kidding. Although you can mail a check. To to carry. <laughs> no. What are you pointing? Oh, pointing at this. Am I at the top? Yep. During the event on Saturday night, we will go live at 730. So if you want to just uh, wait not come but participate over the internet we go live 7 30 p.m on saturday and i'll be there with my wife and three of my kids i'm just kidding it'll be four kids we have more questions we have more questions let's do it mm. thoughts on harry potter he's a fictional character i'm just kidding i'm sorry okay thoughts on harry potter should our kids be reading them or watching the movies Lately, I have seen some things about exorcists coming out speaking against the books. I, ugh, I can't win with this one. I, I, okay, and some of you already, you know where I'm going to go, and you're going to get so mad at me, and I'm so sorry. But as best I can tell, this is the truth. They're just books. And they're not marketing them as truth. Like, I think more, it was more dangerous that people read Dan Brown's book about the Catholic Church, which they bought in the fiction section, but believed. Uh, and I mean, it fundamentally changed how people talk about Gospels. Dan Brown's stupid, stupid fiction book. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, except I'm a reader. I love to read. I never read those books just because I don't like kids' books, right? But I don't know. I... You know, tell your kids, witchcraft is not real, uh, right? Or or whatever you need to say. Like, this is just entertainment. Like, they can watch Star Wars, right? And there's the Force. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. If that offends anyone, Carrie told me to say it like that. <laughs> what is the most appropriate or most respectful way to walk up to receive communion? Have you seen the moonwalk? <laughs> Can you imagine? Seriously. If I'm like distributing communion, someone's doing the moonwalk coming up, I'm like, A, that's hilarious. B, I have to kill you now. I mean, it's not even a matter of a trial or mercy. I just have to kill you. Um, okay. What is the most appropriate or most respectful way to walk up to receive communion? I have observed people bowing, kneeling, or genuflecting before receiving. Also, I have seen individuals approach with their hands crossed over their chest and not receive communion. Does that mean something? Could they be non-Catholics? And is this how they should be approaching it? Okay. Lots to unpack here. Okay. Uh, the most important word to remember when you are approaching Walking up to receive communion is reverence. Okay, that's the most important word. That although it just looks like a little white disc, it is the most sacred thing in the universe. Um, God humbling himself to enter bread. Okay, that's some great stuff. Uh, I can't genuflect anymore, and it really breaks my heart. I just can't, right? Chuck's too fat. 
for me to genuflect. It was a generational curse that I got this fat. Is that funny? No. Anne's laughing, but I can't trust her. She'll laugh at any horrible thing I say. Yes. Uh, okay. So reverence. Now, here's the other thing. Um, sometimes when I'm processing up at mass, right, little squigglies will wave. I'm going to wave back. I don't care. Right? And someone did, well, Father, you need to be more reverent. Someone actually told me this. And, and I get it. But if you think joy and reverence are two different things, yeah, I don't think you know either word well. Um, I I believe I'm very reverent at Mass, and I know I'm joyful. Uh, I am in awe about communion, and so I'm going to smile. <laughs> I am a great thing's about to happen. The creator and master of the universe entered a piece of bread because he knows I can eat that. And he wants me in to be inside of me and to make me more like him. I have met many very reverent people who have no joy in their life, so I don't trust their reverence. I'm going to be honest, uh, and I don't know how else to explain it. And I've met very joyful people who have no reverence, and I don't know if I trust their joy. My joy comes from being reverent uh, as best I can. So in terms of how you approach it, well, there you go. For some people, it's genuflecting. For some people, it's bowing. For some people, it's not the moonwalk. I, I don't know what to say there. Uh, I have seen individuals, yeah, if you if you are Catholic but should not be going to communion, or if you are non-Catholic but want to get in line, then you should cross your arms like this, unless the priest says don't. Some priests really need to control everything. Uh, like this, and the priest will put his hand over you or on you and say a blessing. Okay. Sometimes it's a Catholic who shouldn't go to communion because of a mortal sin. Right, uh, and sometimes it's a non-Catholic. Whoo! Um, I'm frustrated about the situation in Ukraine. Besides praying, do you have any concrete suggestions as to how to help? Not really. Um, for a simple reason, the reason you feel so frustrated, if you're like me at least, is that I can't do anything, and you and I have to constantly confront our powerlessness. That's important for us as humans. Um, and I think it's a healthy thing as humans. When we have to run into the brick wall of this simple statement, quote, all I can do is pray. That is not a bunt. Um, and sometimes that prayer will lead you to an action, but sometimes it won't. And so I promise you, if I understand you right, I get your frustration. I'm so sad and upset about it. And I'm also frankly sad and upset that we can find billions of dollars to ship over there for them to buy weapons, but we can't seem to take care of our own people. Uh, that frustrates me. Although I want to send them help, right? So all this, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have all these conflicting ideas in my head. I know who knows. Um, Jesus. So I get you. I promise. This is me preaching to myself, okay? It is sometimes an essential part of our human and spiritual development that we say, quote, I am helpless to do anything but pray. And the key for us there is to remember that that prayer is effective. It is effective. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> I can't remember. What is the proper prayer to say after we receive the Eucharist? Oh, uh, whatever you want. 
uh, I think, within reason. Uh, I don't think there's a proper one. Uh, if the choir is singing, if the congregation is singing, I think it's important that we sing together there. Um, and some people, well, I think I should be praying personally. It is a communal celebration. So I'm going to disagree with you, but I could be wrong. Uh, so you do you. Uh, but um, praying together is a good thing. Yeah. Is there another check for me to sign? That's hilarious. I've had three distinct check signings today. What? Oh, is that okay? Oh, I'm not complaining. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I feel so important when I sign checks. I'm like, whoosh, whoosh, with a stroke of my pen, I have taken $1,000 from point A and send it to point B. You're welcome. Um, okay, so... Go up a little bit. I, which I, one? I like this one. I don't know. It's. I think oh. it's simple. The sign of the cross? Yeah. Huh. All right. When saying the sign of the cross, is there a more traditional or preferred way between saying Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Why do we have two ways to say the same thing? Oh, they're the same word in Greek. Daemon. D-E-A-M-O-N. Um, it's actually where we get the word demon. Do you know that? <laughs> uh, but it means spirit or ghost. So um, I know we took the word demon from it just because I don't know. I don't know how we evolved to that from Greek. But uh, either way is fine because both are the same uh, in the translation of the Greek. Does that does that make sense? Yes. Uh, okay. Whew. Well, Got I think we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you guys, we blasted. This might be the most questions we've gone through in one show. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Chuck, what are you doing? What is that? What is that ugly thing on the bottom? Wow. Stand behind him, Chuck, please. Yeah. Just don't cover up my hair. Okay, bro? Gotcha. Yeah. Here, just put the M behind my back. You guys yeah. the right way, too. Yeah. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so is this about the auction thing? Yes. Okay. So once again, if you want to make a great difference and stand for Jesus' favorite school, then go to the link we provide you, click the menu button, Click the fund the need button, and then click the MSU button. Yes. Yes. There's an option for some other school in Ann Arbor. I can't remember. I think it was like Gabriel Richard or something, which is a great school. And uh, by doing this, which, whichever one raises more money, MSU or the school in Ann Arbor. Well, the, the very current news on that Okay. Michigan, University of Michigan, currently has 750 and Michigan State is currently at 585. So all your friends that claim they love you. Yeah, I guess I thought you guys loved Jesus and his favorite school, but whatever. No, uh, congratulations to U of M. Uh, you guys are ahead by a good two, 300 bucks, right? Um, so I'm going to donate 100 and to the, to the green one, okay? Uh, right now. In fact, here, Ann, come on down. I actually have $100 in my wallet. Uh, I was just at Dad's wallet. <laughs> there you go. That's for MSU, because uh, we do not want that maize and blue flying over our school. Our kids are vulnerable. <laughs> right. So now we're just, what, 150 down from, from tying? Okay, so we're getting close. Uh, so all kidding aside, you do have M people, of course I want you participating. I want, the, I love what Coach Izzo said about this yes, Wednesday. I don't care who you're bidding on, the kids win. Right. So let's get the kids uh, a big victory here. And uh, if you're a state person, donate to state. If you're a U of M person, donate to state and uh, the kids will win. Yes. 
I'm not even trying to be unbiased. Amy, I swear, I thought you had a, a sleeve tattoo. Seriously. I was doing a, she's wearing the, is it okay to say this? Oh, she's wearing one of those thingers that comes down to here, and it's like really comfortable, stretchy material, and it's beautiful. But I was like, does she get inked up? Doesn't it look like she got inked up? I was doing a wedding one time in Hudson, and uh, the bridesmaids were all coming down. They all had the same dress, but one girl had sleeves. None of them had sleeves. And I was like, those are some cool sleeves. They were ink. Sister was inked up. Okay. Is that, is that Viper? <coughs> do you see we got our movie set up? Okay. So what I'll do now is a closing prayer. And I hope to see you guys Saturday. Again, maybe you think, Father, we just don't have any money right now. I get it. The economy is a nut, nutty, crazy thing. But you can come. You can participate. You can pray. You can which? You have to have a ticket to attend. You have to have a ticket. And they're conveniently priced at $10,000. Yeah. We only need to sell one. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are they? $40 a ticket. 40 bucks a ticket. And 39 of that goes to the school, guys. I mean, we're not kidding. The other dollar goes to Ann's Bahamas Fund. She says it has something to do with school. I don't know. <laughs> but please, uh, support us if you can. If not, don't sweat it. Just pray for us. And I will do a closing prayer. <laughs> And I'll see you guys tomorrow at the auction, I hope. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, salad pray. <coughs> Darn it. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's ironic? I'm sorry. <coughs> Today is the feast of St. Bernardine of Siena, the patron saint of hoarseness. Isn't that awesome? I always thought we should have that feast, the Kentucky Derby, on the same day. Get it, hoarseness? That is funny. Okay, I'm going to try again. I always thought, okay, John said move it along. <laughs> In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, you have given us a rich, beautiful, deep, and meaningful faith. And I thank you with all my heart for all the people who just want to know more so that they can love you better. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit among the priests in the church every one of them heal our broken hearts forgive us our sins and help us to be holy like you are holy not to rejoice in saying no in your name but instead committed to being where you your people are to meeting them there and to gently walking with them closer to the throne and forgive us, Lord, for all of us priests who have used the platform that you've given us to drag people in the wrong direction. Lord Jesus, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit now to forgive all of us of our sins and to help us to do better next time and to do so with a joyful spirit, knowing that your victory over sin is so complete, you don't know how to lose. And you win, we win. Please heal our broken hearts, calm our turbulent spirits, and help us to be your light in the world. 
for all of those people that we worry about because we love them, for all those situations that we fret about, for all of it, we give it to you, Lord. And we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning in. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you tomorrow at the auction. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.